And they're pleasing. They edit out their sneezing. You can hear them streaming. The podcast family. Da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing it. Good. Yeah. Good job. Uh, this is the pick, and we are talking about 1991's The Adams Family. On this episode. I am your host, Colin Westman. I am joined by John Otney and your uncle Shonster. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, this this week we're talking about The Adams Family, a movie I had not seen before. I don't know why. Just just never got just never got played in my household as a kid, I guess. My family wasn't spooky enough, like the Too Adamses. Macabre. We're not. Yeah. We weren't macabre enough. John came from a spooky family, so he knows this movie much better than I do, though. I mean, we we also had the McDonald's VHS. Do you <laughs> nice. guys remember this? When McDonald's sold in the early '90s, they had some deal where they're selling. A, I, I I can't remember if it was Universal or if it was a particular studio, but they're selling tapes for like a cheap price. And I remember we got Adam's Family and Lamp Before Time, and they have a little McDonald's M on the back of the case. I do remember that because um, our our elementary school friend Matt Hadley had a copy of Wayne's World from uh, McDonald's, and I remember watching that at his house, and that was the first time I saw that movie <laughs> was on a McDonald's VHS. I mean, because there was a period of time where, I don't remember when it changed, but VHS was expensive. And it really wasn't until the late 80s and early 90s, I feel like they started to bring them down to, like, reasonable prices. Yeah. I'll never forget my dad's, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark that has, like, a, like, $60 (laughs) sticker on it. I can't remember the price, but it's, like, something insane. Well, I mean, the idea of, like, owning a movie that you could just watch whenever you want was a pretty crazy idea. Yeah, I'm sure studios were like, oh, God, we're going to lose so much money. And it's just crazy how much it's changed. Um, so thanks to, like, you know, small, small-time small businesses, local mom-and-pop businesses like McDonald's. To, uh, <laughs> Getting the word out about sell this these, movie. Sell these tapes at a reasonable rate. Yeah. And I assume help the industry. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen this. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I want to hear I'm just you saying, talk I've seen this about movie this movie so many times. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, because we had the McDonald's tape, uh, mm. I can't even count how many times I've seen it. I don't even know if I really needed to rewatch it. For this. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I, I remember all this. I wish I wish I'd re- I watched the second one again because I feel like most mm. people say that one's better, and I, I think so. So I, I watched pretty good. I watched them both. Yeah, I think I like the first one a little better, but I okay. I did like the second one quite a bit. Like, I definitely wish there were more of these movies because I really enjoyed watching them for the first time. I was like, oh, I could just spend a bunch of time with these characters. Like, it's it's no wonder it got it was originally a TV show. But um, you know, I have to assume uh, that all like even if there were plans for a sequel, obviously, Raul Julia dying kind of shortly yeah. after the second one, you know. Kept that from happening, unfortunately. I, 
I think when comparing the two, the reason I lean towards the second one is if you think about the plot to this first Adams Family movie, specifically the Fester plot, it's pretty strange. It's a pretty yeah. unusual plot. Yep. Whereas like the second one, I can get more behind like, oh, you know, this evil woman dating Fester yeah. and summer camp. It is a little odd how uh, Uncle Fester heavy both of them are in, in regards to the plot, but I guess he's one of the main characters. Mm, yeah. He's yeah, the, he's the money yeah, maker. Money, money drives everything. <laughs> this is America. Well, no, I'm just, I mean, like, just general star power at the oh you mean christopher lloyd really know i guess ralph not Julia. no it's that's yeah. true christopher I mean, lloyd relative to ralph julia he and stuff and he was he was definitely at the height of his zaniness i feel like between this and like i guess most of the other movies in the 90s aren't as good but they were definitely as wacky like my favorite martian and angels in the outfield uh, to a lesser extent, the Dennis the Menace movie, where I think he plays a murderer. <laughs> but it's still a pretty zany performance. <laughs> of course, Page Master, classic. Page film. Master, yep. The Page Master himself. He definitely, like, um, appealed to kids a lot. He had a, a bit of a, a a Robin Williams energy in just his, his weirdness. Which is a weird evolution from where his career started, it seems like. Yeah, like being a bad guy in Star Trek Three. Yeah, I wouldn't guess when I, like watching that movie that oh in a decade this guy will be like the silliest guy in Hollywood. <laughs> he just likes to, you know, be in funny makeups and have stuff fall on his head and jump. Yeah. You know, it's 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 good it's good shit. I should have watched Spirit Halloween that came out this year. Oh, the movie. Yeah. He's in that. Hmm. I wonder. Uh... But then again, I feel like he'll kind of—he's kind of one of those actors who kind of do anything now. Like he'll do like Snow Buddies, you know, like just like distant Air Buds <laughs> spin-off sequels. It's a little disappointing. Uh, Colin, if you want to steer this ship back on course, <laughs> I can. But I'm—I'm I'm all for tangents on this particular episode. Uh, just because I'm going to have a little bit of a hard time talking about the plot. <laughs> because, okay. in my opinion, it doesn't really matter that much to this movie, to me, at least. It's a lot of bits, yeah. Yeah, I, I love sure. all the bits, and I love the characters, and that's that's what I like about it. Um, but, before we talk about the movie, let's talk about our little picks. Uh, I will go first, as is tradition. As it's family tradition. Tradition. Yeah. Uh, so my little pick is an album. Not the one everyone's talking about this week. Because, like, I got nothing to say. It's, you mean Sailing by Christopher yeah, Cross? Yeah, Sailing by Christopher Cross. Which we all decided to possibly listen to after recording suicide pack we yeah that's our next project is listening to uh christopher cross's debut album because it seems relaxing and you know it's just it's what you need sometimes just need to chill out um my album i don't know if i'd call it a chill out album but it's not like i 
get hyped album either. It's like somewhere in the middle. Uh, it's the new album from the band Always, uh, spelled Always. I'm sure Sean would point out to me. Uh, the new album it's is their main gimmick. Yeah, I know. Never been sure about the pronunciation until right now. So I, I think it's just Always, but. You know, it's like the movie The Witch. You could call it The Vavitch, or you could call them Always. Always is fun, though, because it makes you sound like a vampire. (laughs) Always. But yeah, new album is called Blue Rev. Uh, Quite a bit of a gap between their last album, uh, which came out in 2017. Uh, always liked this band. I always thought they were pretty solid. I don't know if I thought they would ever make an album I like as much as this one, which is, you know, kind of building on their earlier indie pop sound. But this one's a little more shoegazy. The lyrics um, feel a little more, I don't know, kind of honest and emotional. And But they're still very catchy. Um... And I'm just looking here. It looks like the reason that it took a while for this album to get put out is because they are uh, a Toronto band, and being Canadian kind of made it hard for them to get over the border to record this album with um, their American producers uh, throughout the pandemic. So that makes sense. (laughs) But uh, I think it was definitely worth the wait i guess me and sean saw this band live i think they were opening for courtney barnett on the day that prince died which made it a a strange day to go see live music that didn't really have much to do with prince Uh, yeah no prince covers from either either band well that day it's probably a little hard to like put together a cover <laughs> hours before you have to go play music. Uh, but yeah, no one no one mentioned it, but I'm sure everyone in the audience was thinking about it the uh, the entire show. Uh, yeah, Blue Rev. I like it. It's probably the album I've been listening to the most uh, these past few weeks. Even after that album that Shall Not Be Named came out. Uh, Good strategy. Yeah. We don't need to give her any more attention. Even though I think the new album is alright. But my my feelings about Jack Antonoff have been made quite a bit in the past. And they still mostly uh, hold true for this album. Uh, anyways. How about you guys? What's your little pick? My little pick is something I just discovered yesterday, but I really like it so far. It's a graphic novel from Joe Hill, the the writer, uh, having a big year because Black Phone, based off of his short story, yeah. which Colin recently reviewed on the uh, on the old website mm-hmm. that came out, and they just came out with uh, a. a collection of uh you know it's one of those things where it's like seven issues and then it becomes like a graphic novel basically and it's called a a, a basket full of heads <laughs> and it's about this uh it's set in the 80s because that's cool 
and it's about this woman who is kind of stuck on this um, island town, and there's like a blackout, and it's raining everywhere, and um, there's like they, supposedly like some convicts loose, and she gets separated from her boyfriend, and she finds like a Norse axe, and what happens uh, when she uses it? If she chops off somebody's head. Like, the head is still, like, talking and stuff. So she's, like, chopping off these bad guys' heads, putting them in a basket, and then, like, asking them questions to try to solve some, like, crime mystery on the island. Uh, and it's a great premise. I love it. Uh, immediately makes me think of Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, which is a classic film that everyone needs to see. <laughs> I've always uh, been intrigued. <laughs> there's really only that one scene that I like and remember yeah. when this, the, the, song, the heads are singing. Otherwise, they're just dead. They don't talk in that movie. It's, it's, I feel like it's one of those situations like a kangaroo jack where based on the trailer, you might think the heads are always talking, but they're not. Mm. Uh, but in Basketball Heads, they're always talking. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I'm almost done. Uh, great art. It's from DC. I think they have like a like a horror division now or something called like, I can't remember what it's called, like Hill House Comics or something under their black label. You know. Oh. Get back to doing some more darker shit because I don't know if Vertigo Comics still exists. Wasn't that a DC division? I'm not sure on that. I don't know for sure um, either. But Bagful Heads, it's great. I bet it'll be a movie in a year or two. It's too good of a premise for it to not be a movie. I imagine this would be like a Netflix original in a couple of years. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, but yeah, really like it. I'm reading it on my Kindle. Wow. Because why not? That's cool that you can view graphic novels on Kindles. I didn't know you could do that. I thought you could only like. It was read doing this words. weird thing. I don't know why it was doing this, but it was really cool. Where it was like just taking one panel and like it was taking up the whole screen, and then it would like zoom in on one part of the screen, like a very dynamic. Ooh. Uh, I don't know how or why it was doing that, but it was very cool. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of a fun way to read. And I think the thing was like, it was only five bucks on Kindle. It's like, hell yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's like 20 if you just want to buy the actual thing. So like, yeah, I'm going to make that deal, you know, any day. Well, you know. Save, save some trees. Maybe. It's nice that Amazon does some fun things with all that money every once in a while. And not just inflict misery on everyone everywhere all the time. A uh, bit of a dour note to go out on, but sure, yeah. Well, it's my segue to the rings of power. <laughs> oh, perfect. Ah, uh, the rings of power. The Lord <laughs> of the Rings show. <laughs> so you like Orson Welles? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. <laughs> that was good. Um, shit. Uh, yeah, it's Sorry. they've been making this fucking show for i don't know like five years cost like a billion dollars uh and it finally came out on amazon prime video uh so you can give you're an amazon prime member like uh 
Councilman Jam from Parks and Recreation, you get to enjoy <laughs> this show for free, which feels like a real treat because it is one of the like most beautiful shows I've ever seen. They clearly spent so much money on making the uh, special effects look real, real good. Um, and also, they did not seem to spend much money on, like, the cast or the writers, because it's not a particularly well-written show. The showrunners aren't people that have made TV before, um, and uh, outside of maybe the two leads, I don't think I knew anyone in this cast, and I only barely knew the two leads. Uh, you had... Um, I think it's pronounced uh, uh, Mor- Morvid. Does anyone know? You're on your own, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's Morvid Clark, uh, who it was uh, Saint Saint Maud in that oh, that movie yeah, Saint Maud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she plays Galadriel in this, and. Um, uh, Robert Aramayo is in it as Elrond, and that's interesting to me because he also played young Sean Bean in Game of Thrones. Uh, I mean, Sean Bean didn't play Elrond in in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but there is a, like that weird connection between those two actors. Um, I don't know. I just had a, I, I had a good time watching this show. It's uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's nice to be in Middle-earth again. Uh, in a different era, this is set during the, the end of the Second Age, while uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy we're familiar with is all at the end of the Third Age. So it's like, I don't know, a thousand years in the past or something. And uh, it's fun to look at. And they're, they're, I don't know, they're doing their best, I guess. They're making Jeff Bezos happy. Um... It was weird that this came out at the same time as the um, the House of the Dragon. Was a, I went from like years and years of no fantasy TV shows to two of them on basically the same time every week. Um, but now they're both over, so just go back to, to not having those. But... Uh, would I recommend it to Colin, who is someone who likes wizard stories? Yeah, probably not. I don't know if you're in deep enough to like this. Not, not a lot of wizards. Uh, to answer that question would be a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, so yes, but not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's there you what go. I'm gathering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's not like Get inherent the to the plot that wizards are there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some like magical, like uh, smithing okay. going on. Because I mean, I do like the uh, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy quite a bit, but uh, I guess I couldn't make it through the Hobbit, so I don't know if I'll be able to. Yeah, make it through this, this feels this feels more like the Hobbit than okay. uh, than it does the <laughs> Peter Jackson original trilogy. Yeah. Um. But I'm okay with it. I would say it's better than The Hobbit. No, well. Because, uh, 
you know, they actually have a lot of story to cover as opposed to stretching out every. It's not three times as long as it needs to be. No, although it does have the weird thing. I don't know if you guys know this. They have the rights to Lord of the Rings. They don't have the rights to the Silmarillion. Um, so even though this is a prologue set during Silmarillion times, it has to instead pull all of its plot points from the appendices of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like making a lot of stuff up and also changing some things that are like written in the Silmarillion, but they don't have rights to it. So that's pissing people off, of course. That's the other thing, you know, like every show, it's or at least every show that I like now, it's just pissing people off because, uh, you know, it's got a... It's got a woman, and she's either perfect or not perfect, depending on the show. In this case, she's not perfect. <laughs> People really hate that. That's literally the criticism. It's like, Galadriel's supposed to be perfect, and in this, she's angry. And what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's hard to make an interesting character perfect, but... Yeah, I would say so, too. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I won't check it out. <laughs> I was kind of thinking about it, but then, like, yeah, after it came out, I feel like people were kind of mixed on this show. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you watch the first episode and are vibing with it, it it's just eight more episodes of that, or seven, I guess. Okay. Uh, they have towards the end. They have, I think, their best episodes. Unfortunately, it's one of those cases where mm-hmm. it builds to a, a moving and exciting finale, which I know people hate. All right. Well, then let's talk about the Adams family. Um, first, before we talk about the movie, let's, we can do a little a little history lesson. <laughs> Let's Why do not? it. Since uh, I need this history. Yeah. Uh, when I um, watched an episode of The Addams Family for uh, Shocktober a couple of years ago, um, when we were doing Halloween episodes of TV shows, I wasn't aware that The Addams Family actually went back further than that TV show in terms of its origin. Uh, originally started as a New Yorker cartoon, so like a one-panel cartoon. Uh, oh, like Heathcliff. Like Heathcliff. I don't think Heathcliff is in the New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> it should be. It should be. It's class. It's definitely hybrid. Yeah, yeah, you gotta think about it. <laughs> You're not gonna put it together immediately. Well, that's like... Because that's how the guy who does it now, like, he draws it and then has to come up with a caption. It's like those caption contests for the New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> Except he's just Same doing thing. it himself. Same process, creative process. Yeah. With equally good results. <laughs> how many times do you think the New Yorker has done scripts about the meat store? That's what I want to know. Hard to know. Been around for a while. Uh, another meat store one again. Let's see. What can I come up with? Yeah, I'm glad we got that in there. It's our most recent obsession. Um, but yeah, it was a New Yorker cartoon created by a guy named Charles Adams. So he just named the them after himself, oh. I guess. <laughs> Not that creative, but 
Oh, well. Um, so, yeah, he was a uh, very regular contributor to The New Yorker. He published about 1,300 cartoons uh, for the publication between Whoa. the 1930s, uh, which is when he first drew The Adams Family. It's like the late 30s, up until his death in 1988, shortly before this movie came out. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of similar to how they made that Dick Tracy movie that we talked about shortly after the creator died. Uh, that always bums me out when there's like a guy who creates something and then it doesn't get made until a movie until like 60 years later or something. Yeah. That's why even though he was kind of a dick, I am a fan of that picture of Bob Kane on the Batman set. Hmm. You guys ever seen that picture? He's like posing next to Michael Keaton. I'm going to see if I can find it and I'll send that to you guys. I haven't. So Bob Kane at least. But of course Bob Kane I feel like now is best known for um, not giving credit to the co-creator of Batman. Yeah, Bill Finger. Finger. (laughs) There's a couple different. Okay, Bob Kane. I I like how he exclusively dressed like a millionaire. In every photo I see of him. That's <laughs> how so, you know he created Batman. He looks like a character that Christopher Plummer would play. Who is a billionaire? That's <laughs> fun. Um, yeah, I found well, there's a couple of pictures. I'll just send you guys one real quick. I know this is totally off topic. I just think it's. I just think it's. Gu- I'm glad it happened that one time. Yeah. Do you know if Charles Adams liked the show or any of the cartoons? Is there any? I could thing written about that. Uh, I don't think I was able to find kind of his thoughts on the adaptations. Uh, Ironically, he preferred the monsters. <laughs> oh, that'd be so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure he he was fine with it. Um, I don't know. What I felt was kind of interesting is when the show was on the. Uh, the editor for the New Yorker would not like run Adam's Family Comics in the New Yorker because he he thought they were like you know above that he, he he didn't want the New Yorker to be associated with a television show. Oh well. Huh. Okay. Fucking New Yorker, man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. But I, th- I think after he he left as editor, they started running Adam's Family uh, cartoons of the New Yorker again. Because <laughs> it was, you know, they were popular characters by then. Um, yeah, so supposedly Charles Adams came up with the idea for it, for the Adams Family, because he grew up in Westfield, New Jersey, which had a bunch of ornate Victorian mansions and archaic graveyards, which I'm guessing he just really looked looked at those. Th- yeah, I guess that he just looked at those things and thought, "Hmm, who who would live around here?" <laughs> he grew up in Mansion Town, USA. Yeah, I didn't know we had one of those. Oh, there's there's lots of old creepy buildings out here on the East Coast. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, they're there if you wanna if you wanna find them. Uh, so yeah, he got this idea for a family that embraces the macabre and likes uh, you know the darker aspects of life, but they have a, a a great attitude about it. 
And, you know, very, very close knit loving family, but, you know, they're into like death and shit. They're, yeah. They're, they're the original. Trying origi- to kill each other all the time. Yeah. They're the OG goths. They're, uh, they're important. Yeah. The goths. <laughs> the goths. Uh, yeah. So then the, the comic got adapted into a TV show that aired in 1964. I've only seen one episode of it, but it seemed pretty good. I liked it. I would I would watch more episodes. I thought about it in preparation for this, but just, you know, didn't have the time. Um, was there an animated series as well, or was it just the live action? Yeah. So after the live action show, which only lasted two seasons, but, you know, it was the 60s, so... They were like 30, 150 episodes, 32 episode seasons, which is like, that's enough. <laughs> it's enough episodes yeah. to get you into rerun territory. So didn't need to make any more. Um, so, yeah, after that, I think there was like a failed pilot that was called the Adams Family Fun House, which was like a variety show. With a totally different cast playing them. And then... That was 1973. And then that same year, they put out a animated cartoon show that ran for one season, it looks like. Uh, which I think had some of the TV cast, but it didn't have, like, uh, John Astin or, or Carolyn Jones, who were Gomez and Morticia on the tv show and then i think they got the whole cast of the tv show back together for a reunion special in 1977 called halloween with the new adams family which seems uh-huh. confusing because it sounds like it was just the old adams family <laughs> but i don't know in a, in a new format a tv one-off special uh so that was the late 70s and then it seems like nothing really happened as far as um adam's family properties um until the late 80s uh producer scott rudin who is like semi-canceled now because he is rude to the people who work for him got him uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he was he was pitching an Adams Family movie to 20th Century Fox, uh, but they couldn't get the rights from Orion Pictures because they had the rights to the Adams Family, uh, and they were actually planning on producing a reboot TV series. Um, but it sounds like Rudin somehow worked it out with. Um, Adams's widow and Orion that he could like produce uh, a movie uh, version of the Adams family for Orion. Um, so that happened. Um, I think at the good time, job. yeah, good I, job business. Good job business. <laughs> I think at the time it was like kind of a harder sell to to get an Adams family movie made just because seems like they were less popular than the monsters in terms of you know reruns which is kind of how people got to know both of those shows it's a, a little hard not to compare the two since they're both about spooky families 
Yeah, do you think it's just also the monsters are like easier? Because <laughs> it's like, oh, this guy's a Dracula, this guy's a Frankenstein. I think, yeah, it's an easier sell. Um, but I feel like the Adams family's like whole shtick is really great. It's just, yeah, as, as far as just like marketing something for a, a wide audience is a little harder to maybe crack. Um, mm-hmm. But. I mean, people did go for this movie. It was a, a pretty big hit, um, fortunately. And and also, yeah. I feel like the Adams family maybe is a little more applicable to, like, <laughs> different time periods in terms of like re-resurrecting it for a new decade because they are like, they're not quite monsters, <laughs> like, they are kind of regular people, but just like weird and pale. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's also kind of a trope, right? They're like, oh, my family's so weird, but we love each other. Like, that's a that's a great well for a sitcom to be based off. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like maybe a little more relatable. I don't know. I don't know the Munsters that well, but... <laughs> John does. Yeah, he does, including the new movie. Yeah, I reviewed that on the website. Yeah. Only... Avert your eyes! <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't remember if I like the Adams Family show. I've definitely seen the Munsters show more. Yeah. Um, I feel like I like the Munsters show better, but I like the Adams Family property better because I like this these movies from the '90s better. Yeah. Like we we're saying, this was a perfect time to like reintroduce them in a, in a post Simpsons world. Yeah. Where like now we have more of this cynical view of the modern family. So they just clicked so much better with that time period than probably even when they were on in the 60s. So, Well, also this was post-goth um, goth culture becoming a thing. <laughs> like the cure and everything. I'm kind of disappointed there isn't like a rock... I can't remember any rock star cameos. Unless I'm forgetting something. It feels like a perfect opportunity, you know, to put like Alice Cooper in here or something. Yeah. Well, he was in Wayne's World. Maybe, yeah, that's true. Maybe if they'd made that third, like a third proper one. They could have got him. They could have got like Hammer, you know. I mean. Some little Lemmy, Ozzy Osbourne. Does somebody. MC Hammer count? They did get MC Hammer to do the theme song and the music video. I hope you guys all watched it. I didn't. Is in, in his classic parachute pants look. Great. And he's hanging out with various members of the Adams family. I don't think Christopher Lloyd was there. It seemed like it was another guy and maybe. <laughs> okay. But there's a couple of shots of like he sword fights Ralph Julia and he's like they pull like there's like a silver tray with like um with like a cover over it and they pull it up and then it's MC Hammer's head and he's like, Oh no and like the kids are gonna eat him or something. He's like dancing in a graveyard. <laughs> it's great. Recommend. Yeah. I like that they also kept to like the <laughs> the old school hip hop aesthetic in the second one, where there's also like a hip hop Adams family in the ending credits. Oh, but it's like did anyone of note do that one? Uh, I don't know. It, it was like a uh, like a take on hoop. There it is, but the <laughs> Adams <Nice>. family. <laughs> uh, I feel like they only play the MC Hammer song, aside from the end credits, one time in the movie that I remember when they're giving Lurch that, like, drink. 
Mm-hmm. Not sure why they choose to play it there. Mm-hmm. It's so extreme, dude. Give him this drink. Uh, great lurch casting in this movie. <laughs> I think I think all the casting is is quite good. All the casting is great in this movie. Yeah, even they even got Ted Cruz to be Pugsley. Be, yeah, little Pugsley. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely perfect cast. Even better than I'd say the original show had, because like with the monsters, like they, um, like they really hit out of the park with that original cast. But the original Adams Family show, like I like John Aston, but like Raul Julia has this uh, quality that only he could bring to it, this swarthiness. Yeah, and I don't know. It just because I think the thing is the original Gomez is more of like a Bugs Bunny type, like a like, hey. and I feel like. I feel like Ralph Julia's thing is he's like he says really dumb stuff, but like with one hundred percent sincerity. Yeah, lots well, of gusto. Uh, there's a line I wish I could remember the exact line that it was, it was one of my favorite lines this go around, where someone's talked about like, you know, you ever have that black pit, you know, feeling, and he goes Pugsley. He's like, no, 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 I'm mean, like inside. <laughs> just like so it's like it's like joke after joke it's it's like a live action simpsons episode yeah yeah and i like that balance between like funny dialogue and then also like funny like cartoon slapstick yeah like the the for i i'm just throwing out random gags that i remember for whatever reason well, this is like a little thing, but like when it is lawyer, I can't remember what he's proposing he, he does, but like um, Gomez says that's a great idea, but he won't do it till the next business quarter. And then just to accentuate how long it will be until the next quarter, he has like a little like uh, desk calendar with like, you know, every sheet is like a day and he flips through it and they like do it at like super speed. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> And I feel like there's a lot of that, like, sp- like, like with like a uh, thing yeah. too, like, sp- like sped up footage, like at a silent movie or a cartoon. I mean, yeah, uh, that like, yeah. My my absolute favorite so scene of the movie is when uh, Thing has to go get a job later on in the movie because they're on hard luck. <laughs> he's working like <laughs> as a mail clerk or something. Like he's like a delivery boy for FedEx, and it's just like, but it, yeah, but he's going so fast. He's just whipping those packages everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I love how fast the hand movement is. He's just like hauling ass. He's, he's, he's a hand on the go. Yeah, that stuff's funny. It's amazing how good... We're kind of all over the place now, but it's yeah. amazing how good like that effect, too, works for thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. the combination of practical and CGI. And I, and I like that they got like an actual like talented magician to play that part. So somebody who's really good with their hands. Definitely. Um, I mean, that. So, it, yeah, it just holds up so well. Like, it definitely got me thinking watching this is that, like, there, there is a kind of aesthetic to, like, some movies like this that are from that pre, like, like the very end of, uh, like, studio movies before CG was in everything, where it's like, you have this great mix of practical effects and also filmmakers like kind of trying to make a movie as visually <laughs> like engaging and action-packed as possible. I, I mean, I guess 
you know, just the, the idea of a live action cartoon is, I feel like, something we've kind of covered a bit on this show. Like, I'm thinking of other movies that are kind of like that, like um, like Dick Tracy or Rock and Roll High School or, or Speed Racer, where it's just like, they're, they're just live action, like, zaniness, um, where it's just all about making the visuals as entertaining and filled with gags as possible. And Joe Dante's whole career. Yeah, it's like Joe Dante's wheelhouse. Um, I mean, or early Tim, Tim Burton, Burton definitely, yeah. where it's just like that generation of directors that grew up on, um, you know, like on Warner Brothers cartoons and were kind of integrating that into the visual language of, of live action movies is just so much fun to watch. Um, yeah. <laughs> I do wonder if part of that is, and I don't know if he ever gets enough credit, is Barry Sonnenfeld. Just when you consider, because um, he was a, you know, a cinematographer before this. Yeah. And if you look at the movies he worked on, they have a bit of kinetic energy. Like the fact that he was the cinematographer on Raising Arizona, like yeah. I can kind of feel that energy a little bit in something like this. For sure. And Men in Black um, as well. Yeah, in Men in really Black. Dense but also, sets. he's made quite the career out of movies that feel like they could also be Tim Burton movies. Because I, I, <laughs> I feel like both Adam's Family and Men in Black have that kind of dark humor and kind of off the wall feel to them. Uh, but yeah, I think he's definitely got his own style. That's he's somewhere in between a Joe Dante and a Tim Burton. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I can't explain Wild Wild West, unfortunately. That's kind of okay. uh, that kind of sticks out. But I would like it's... to see Tim Burton's take on Wild Wild West. <laughs> Was that ever a thing? I wonder. I think I'm just getting it mixed up with how wasn't Tim Burton gonna like do a Superman movie at some point, and right. it was also pitched to have the big spider. Yeah, John I... John Peters as portrayed by. Bradley Cooper and Licorice Pizza like kept trying to get a big metal spider in all these movies and then he finally got it in Wild Wild West yeah. that's bizarre uh, but yeah Barry Sonnenfeld deserves more credit this is his first movie uh, yeah I mean yeah him having a background in it as a cinematographer makes sense because uh this movie is very like visually inventive <clears throat> in a way that I think only a guy who's like you know who knows where to put a camera would would be able to do it in his first movie. Uh, so there is that kind of confidence to it, even though it sounds like the behind the scenes uh, making of this movie was kind of an ordeal, which. I think you can kind of feel in this movie. Like, some of it is a little messy, but I also don't mind it because there's so much fun stuff in it that I that I really love. Um, yeah. Did, did, it, did it just have, like, a... Like, was there just, like, a lot of production delays? Or was it, like, all, just, like, all sorts of different stuff? Like... Um, okay, so... Uh, Tim Burton was actually offered to make this movie... Um, but he was making Batman Returns at the time. It was also offered to Terry Gilliam. Kind of makes sense. Ooh, that'd been too weird. That yeah, I don't, I don't know if that would have worked. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, then then it landed uh, on Sonnenfeld's desk, and uh, he directed it. Um, I think the first issue that happened is that um, the cinematographer for it, Owen Reutzman, quit three months before production was over. He was then replaced by another cinematographer named Gail Tattersall, and he ended up in the hospital within weeks. And so Sonnenfeld just took over as the cinematographer for the movie after that. Wow. Uh, additionally, Raul Julia had some health issues during the filming. Um, a blood vessel in his eye burst during production, so they had to like, schedule around that while he was uh, while he was healing. Uh, and then I guess on top of that, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's wife became sick, so that also halted production a little bit also. Uh, additionally, Orion Pictures went out of business, uh, after filming, so they had to sell the movie to Paramount. Um, but yeah, despite all that, the movie was a big hit, uh, you know, enough to have a, a sequel and, uh, is still pretty darn entertaining i mean i think the the second half of it works a little better for me i feel like everything really comes together and the zaniness just like really gels and the characters start to gel um there's a little bit too much table setting i think in the first half but yeah it's all well the the fester plot is weird it's a plot that is still weird to me as a kid could you explain it as an adult i mean (laughs) Because I so, don't know if I can. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like, um, so Fester at some point, I him and uh, Gomez have, have a falling out. And then uh, years later, Gomez's lawyer owes money to some sort of con artist lady who has a son who, like, <laughs> looks just like Fester. So yeah. it's like, we're going to try to, like, um, you you know pretend that he's Fester, and somehow to get um, well I can't remember was Fester gonna sign off? They're gonna somehow put the lawyer is somehow gonna push the estate into Fester's name because he's Cause an original. He's, he's the eldest, so because he's the, the, eldest. the oh okay yeah 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 the family, uh, the estate I guess goes to the eldest son, so he would inherit it if he's alive but but then the thing that always confused me because the excuse he's going with is like oh i got lost in the bermuda triangle mm-hmm. and wednesday's like super skeptical because she's an expert on the bermuda triangle <laughs> but then at the end he says it turns out i actually was in the bermuda triangle and he is the real fester and it sounds like even when they're making it like they weren't sure if they should do that. If they're like, should we make this the actual Fester or should this just be this guy who replaces Fester and becomes the new Fester? And like for so many years, I could never remember what they settled on. But I, if, you, if you pay attention to the movie, they settle on he's the actual Fester. Yeah. yeah. But it, it just, it's, it's so weird because Wednesday pokes so many holes in that, but then he, it still turns out to be true anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, it, it it's a little weird 
because I, I I get too caught up on that plot early on. But like you're saying, Colin, once like Fester is fully like into the antics and you know like into the situations, like it's just smooth sailing. And it's the uh, it's the part that confuses me the most about Fester is that he, in all the p- photos and stuff of him from the past, he's totally bald. Um, but when he has amnesia and thinks he's uh, Gordon, he has a head of curly hair which he shaves and then apparently his hair just never grows back i guess or he just keeps shaving what's it. going on with that hair just shaved it as a kid i guess i don't know i mean that's yeah it's valid well I, again that makes it that also kind of makes it seem like this this decision to make him actually fester was very much a last minute decision doesn't seem like the rest of the movie was built with that in mind that he was the real fester but then it's like, well, then where the if if he wasn't, then where would the what happened to the real? Yeah, fester? exactly. What happened? So to he him? has to be. But they kind of yeah. did it in a confusing way. Isn't this? No, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have it up with uh, in front of me right now. Wasn't this written by like a? Isn't this like a Caroline Thompson script or something? Isn't it about a, a Tim Burton collaborator or something? Or maybe she wrote the second one. Um, she does have a credit on this movie, yeah. She does have a credit, okay. Um, I was just wondering what of the Tim Burton connections were. That's all. Uh, what did, what did she write of Tim Burton's? Oh, I, I think Nightmare Before Christmas, which I guess, I guess technically, uh, he didn't like direct it, it's not a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. yeah. I think she did Edward Scissorhands, too, according yeah. to Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, and, and Corpse Bride. But then it sounds like okay. the, that that other guy Dan Levy like took over, and it's it's like he added all the silliness. Because mm-hmm. I think he solo wrote the second one. This I'm Wait. all going off of memory. This is a dangerous Wait. thing to do. Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. I mean, I don't know what his name is. Mm. It can't be Dan Levy. It says it was Re- Larry Wilson. Yeah, it says Larry Wilson gets. Crazy. I must have okay. saw that name when I was scrolling somewhere. I mean, there could be someone else with that name. Is that so unfathomable? <laughs> it's not. Um, but it looks like also Paul Rudnick, who wrote the second one, also did some rewrites on this. Paul, Rudd? that's the name I'm thinking. Paul Rudd, that man himself. This is why I should try to go off of memory. I mean, I would just assume all your memories of this movie are correct. Cause you have so many of them. <laughs> but maybe you remembered them wrong. Um, okay, that's the Tim Burton connection. Yeah. Uh, weird plot. What else, you, what else do you want to cover here, Colin? You got to list off your gags. You got a gag list. Honestly, I really wanted to, but I tried like skimming through the movie again on Paramount Plus. But apparently, Paramount Plus doesn't let you like fast forward. You just have to watch the movie. Unless I was doing it wrong. So I don't have a gag list. Do you have? Do you have some favorite gags? I'm trying to think of ones. I like how there's that one part of the house where there's just all the levers. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure why that is, but it's good. Uh, obviously, that's good. The sword fight for the school play is good. I love, I love the, and I feel like I've seen this in a handful of 90s comedies 
where you put someone in a scenario they're not used to being in. Like, it's so funny to, for me to see the Adams family in, like, the real world. Yeah, I love the first part I think, of I, the play yeah. where they're just watching, you know, just a typical elementary school play. And, yeah. And Gomez and Morticia just look, like, very bored and unimpressed. This <laughs> is very <laughs> They just kind of have that look on their face. Like and I feel like there's a couple there's a couple 90s movies like this. I think of, like, uh, the Brady Bunch movie that's similar. Mm, yeah. Where you, you take, like something and, and you put it like a fish out of water kind of situation it's yeah. always fun to see mm-hmm. um god now that, that just reminded me uh, of my favorite gag in the whole movie is when they get kicked out of the house and they're living in the the motel and gomez just like eating fruit loops and like watching tv all day and he's like calling into oh i don't remember which t- like daytime sh- talk show it is but they're telling him to stop calling. But then my favorite <laughs> gag in the whole movie is when Morticia's like, come on, Gomez, let's go out. Let's go for a drive. And he goes, go for a drive and Miss Gilligan. <laughs> like, it's just this guy that lives in this weird Gothic mansion that has all these weird hobbies. And then how he gets like absorbed in like crappy, like daytime TV is a fun angle. It's, it's finding the character. It's getting the characters and putting them into these fun scenarios. Um, yeah, that's worked so well, which I feel like you didn't really get as much on the original show. Though I then again, I don't remember it that well, so maybe they did from time to time. Yeah, I mean, speaking I... of the original show, I guess I was surprised that this movie kind of <laughs> it feels like what I assume pretty much every episode of The Adams Family is like, where it just all takes place in their house, more or less. Um, which I kind of like. Like the second one's a little more expansive, but I feel like they they didn't need to make it more ambitious and quote unquote movie like. Where you know a lot of times with a TV show adaptation, you'll get a more cinematic like this is a huge deal <laughs> type of plot, like the Simpsons movie or something like that. But here they like kept the stakes pretty low even though i guess their money is important to them since that's how they get to live their lifestyle of just like hanging out in a house and being weird um but like the the characters are all great and they i don't know they're just fun to watch so you don't really need to get them outside of the house uh what were you gonna say sean my favorite gag is when Gomez is working on his his rage, and so he goes to play with his model train set, and we see it's like making a racket, and the whole house hears it, and then they give us a POV shot from like inside the model train, and there's just like a little guy in there, and he's terrified. Do you know who that guy was, Sean? Uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> um, David Crosby. No, it was uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. I think you'd recognize oh. it if it was David Crosby. <laughs> He's all showing up, so I thought it was a good guess. Is Barry Sonnenfeld in his other movies? He is briefly in Adam's Family Values. I think he has a few lines. 
like he's one of the parents at the camp watching their like play uh. about Thanksgiving. He's just like, oh my, <laughs> what's happening? I feel like I feel like he's in some Men in Black scenes too. I bet he is. He's a fun guy because you know, yeah. You remember how Lurch is also in Men in Black? The actor. Oh yeah, Carl Strucken. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, he's one of the aliens that. who's eating pierogies. Yeah, mm-hmm. got a little guy in him. Got a little guy. Does he have a little guy in him? Do we see his little guy? I think it's assumed he has one too, because he's talking to a guy who has a little guy in him. <laughs> he dies of the same injury, so yeah. Yeah, so he's also got a little guy in him, which is funny because he's a big guy. So it's funny. He's a big guy, a, a little alien, a big guy. Compensating for much. <laughs> What a fun career he's had because he's like known for this and like Twin Peaks. I see him like he's always like at kind of like conventions. I'm like I I want to go meet him, but I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. He's too damn big. He's too big. He is pretty big. Uh, but he's the perfect guy for Lurch. Perfectly cast around the board, uh, including Dan Hedaya, who's one of my favorite uh, character actors. Yeah. Uh, just his delivery. I, I I wish I had written it down. I feel like, oh yes, now I remember. I remember. So remember how in the Adams family they have like like a library full of books, and the books have like each book has like a shtick. Yeah, like it does whatever yeah. the title of the book is. Like it's gone with the wind. They open up and it just blows air at you. Yeah, that that's basically what they like what they do to the bad guys at the end, they like blow them away the book. And I just remember Dan Hedaya being yeah. like, be careful. That's not regular literature. <laughs> he, said, he has the best. It's the best pronunciation of literature I've ever heard in my life. Literature. Careful. Gomez. Uh, so good. It's especially fun to see an actor. I like seeing actors who are, are good at being grumpy, get like tossed around and being thrown into situations where, like, you can tell they, they don't want to be doing this. Like, the fact that every time he visits Gomez, he has to, like, sword fight him first. If you remember, the like, in the, yeah. one, of the, one of the opening scenes, he's like, and this is just his, like, he, this is his lawyer, and Gomez is like, oh, we have to have a sword fight first. We have to fence each other. It's just what they do. It's like, he just takes it as just part of the routine. He's a very swashbuckling yeah. man. It makes it seem like he's, he's been practicing. Personality. Yeah, like he's like he's almost determined to try to beat him. Because he's like so annoyed that this guy is like his client, but at the same time, this guy is so rich. Yeah, he's like his only client. Yeah. So that's great. Um, I'm trying to remember if there's any other great side characters in this movie well there is a cousin it who arrives cousin uh, it at the the big uh party seat in the middle where they dance the mushka which is is he human hmm he must be i mean he's not like everyone else is human it seems well, like he must he, be. He I mean, better be. Because he's he's hooking up with uh, Dan Hedaya's wife at the end. That's true. So I don't think they're endorsing bestiality or something. I'm a big fan of movies where someone like speaks in either another language or gibberish, but people like understand them. Yeah, Star Wars like, did that to us. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yeah. That is always funny. 
Not like they give him subtitles. I like that he shows up in a very tiny car blasting too legit to quit by MC Hammer. Oh, he's cool. And he has a little bowler he's hat. Cool. He's awesome. Yeah. I wonder if he was in the strips. That'd be something to, to look up. I, bet I wonder if he was in ZZ would... Top. Yeah, they ever do any jokes, any commercials, maybe with Cousin It and ZZ Top? If not, can we do that now? I mean, I know it's a little late. Uh, but I think people would still like it. I think people would be, I think people would be into it. Yeah, we should have got them on the soundtrack, but uh, they committed to MC Hammer. I like that it's got like hip hop. That's fun. It is strange. It's a weird. It's a weird combination. Why not? Uh, I mean, it works because it's like we're taking that family out of their element a little bit. Let's give them a soundtrack that's a little bit out of their element too. Yeah. Wait, speaking of the soundtrack, has there ever been a score that f- felt so much like it was a Danny Elfman score, but isn't? <laughs> this oh. movie so much is tricking you that, like, is this a Tim Burton movie? Yeah, yeah like, who's... looks and sounds. It's a Mark Shaman. It's a great score, too. It's just interesting, because, like, every part of this feels like Tim Burton. And it's so funny that he um, was offered it and turn it down but then it's it's weird too that there's that new wednesday adams show and like they're they're kind of selling it on as like <laughs> produced and you know directed by tim burton <laughs> he's coming back to it it's just so weird yeah i mean i will say i feel like this one this movie's maybe a little jokier than i can imagine a tim burton movie being i mean he definitely started out doing comedies but yeah. they weren't this like full of gags um like there's usually at least a little pathos maybe i want to see who'd be in the tim burton version is he doing johnny depp or is he going or he's doing jack nicholson it'd be too expensive at that point i feel like johnny depp would be too young at that point yeah and and the jack nicholson version of this movie scares me yeah I don't, I don't know. Like why. I feel like he probably would. Why not right Michael there. Keaton? <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I like how it can only. It, you just have to come up with people he's already worked with for it to make sense. <laughs> I guess Christopher Walken could have been a good Gomez. Mm. Actually, that would have been pretty good. I think Raul Julia is definitively the best and will never be replaced. But uh, I can imagine it, you know Christopher Walken doing something like The Continental, uh, but doing it as Gomez. Yeah. I feel like what you know. Also, I think what Raul Julia brought to this character is I feel like he's really cemented this character as being like a Latino character, which is cool. Um, at least more more times than not, I feel like it is often cast that way. Yeah, uh, I think that just shows that the the mark he left on the character even more so than like John Aston, who I like too. But like again, I think Raul Julia just brought something different. Um, and this movie just makes me so sad that like. He does this, and he does the second one. He does Street Fighter. I mean, that's kind of it, right? I don't know if there's anything else around that period. I mean, he dies worth. in '94, uh, so yeah, same year that Adam's Family Values comes out. It it's just a bummer because like I feel like this is like oh this is how you can really use him well in a movie because you see like such a serious stage actor who'd occasionally pop up in movies from time to time in the 80s and it's like whoa this guy can do like comedy but then yeah and then and then that's it 
Um, you know, uh, I, I, hopefully, I mean, at least the movie was a success so that he got to see some of that, like, you know. Because, like, I don't even know yeah. how they ended up casting him, like, as, like, the co-lead of the film. Like, he, it wasn't like he was starring in other movies like this around that time. So, it's just interesting. Yeah. I was looking up to see how much this movie, how successful this movie was. And I was surprised to find that it was in the top ten for the end of the year. Uh, do you guys want to know what else is in that top ten? <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, I do. I do. I don't feel like we've done a. Have we done a nineteen ninety one movie before? I bet uh, we have. We've definitely done a lot of nineties. All right. Well, now I gotta go to the fucking <laughs> the database. <laughs> the da- the database here. Um, uh, ninety one. I'm scrolling. Uh, we've definitely done 92 a couple times, honestly. Yeah. Uh, 91. I don't see one at first glance, but, you know, I can't be 100%. Okay. Uh, I can't think I, of any. I don't know if you, do you guys want to guess or do you just want me to tell you? Mm. This is for the end of the whole uh, year. Uh, I'm just going to 1991. Yeah. Is that Terminator 2 here? Or is That's that number one. You nailed it. I think you guys could get one more. Mm, yeah, I think you could. Is that when uh, Silence of the Lambs came out? Yeah, that's the other one I thought you guys could get. That's number okay. four. The, uh, the, the tricky thing about this list is there's actually some holdovers from 1990, which is insane to think about. Like... Movies that did so well that they're still in the top ten for the year of 91. Like, Home Alone is number three. I, I guess maybe that came out in, like, November 90 or December 90 or something. Probably. That, that, can, maybe ex- that can maybe explain. I also see Dances with Wolves yeah. is in here. I bet that came out, like, December 90. That And plus, that was the, uh, the best picture winner, you know, at the Oscars. That would have happened in 91, so I could imagine it having some legs. Yeah, I mean, the weird the thing movies. is that uh, both Silence of the Lambs and Dances with Wolves were Orion pictures, but I guess, and even though these movies were like big hits, won a bunch of Oscars, I guess they just had so many flops before then that they still ended up folding uh, before the Addams well, Family uh, was released. It's funny, because I, I feel like we've talked about this same issue with Coralco pictures, yeah. and how like they did Terminator 2, and yet they were still like a bankrupt like a year later, because they'd had so many other bad acquisitions, yeah. even a super mega hit. Couldn't sell, because we did Universal Soldier, and that was like one of their last films before like totally going under. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just funny how that works, you know, like y- you need more than one mega hit to save the whole the whole shebang yeah uh just to finish off that top 10 though uh 10 was uh Teenage ninja turtles 2 the secret of the ooze <laughs> i can't believe it was that big a hit naked gun 2 is number nine adam's family eight sleeping with the enemy which god that movie sucks i think that movie's a total dud seven <laughs> what's that movie Dance again with... it's like um well, it's a what's I think it's a what's got to be an Adrian Lyne film, right? Okay. It's just like a thriller about a guy. It's like Pretty Woman if it was like fucking dark thriller yeah. about a guy who's like gonna kill Julia Roberts. I, I don't really remember the plot. I just remember being like, "This is such sleaze. This is so dumb." Uh, 
Uh, yeah, it looks uh, like it stars Julia Roberts and no one else famous. <laughs> some guy. I don't even know who the guy Patrick was. Patrick Bergen. Don't know who that yeah. is. Huh. I watched it in a, okay, I watched it in a history of film <laughs> class. <laughs> Why? It has, this was, it has a 19% that, on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> well, that class was basically like the teachers, like, here's the movies that I like. And these yeah. basically, these are, this is the history of film. There were two uh, Richard Gere movies in that lit. Two! We watched Pretty Woman, and then we watched, we ended the class with, like, one of his more recent at the time movies. Which is insane. Okay, now I got... Sorry, I got to look up with this Richard Gere movie. That was good enough to be in the history of film class. Um, what else did we watch in that class? We probably watched some classics, but I only remember the ones that, that stood out as like, this isn't right. <laughs> We're watching Sleeping with the Enemy. This is wrong. All right, I got to go through Richard Gere's filmography. Like... I'm sure I'm going to say this movie, you guys probably aren't even going to know this movie, but it was in the history of film class. Uh... It was called Arbitrage. Ooh. Oh. It's 2012-hit film, Arbitrage. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, so Richard Gere. Uh, at least it had a fresh rating, though. It's better than Sleeping with the Enemy. Yeah, this poster looks familiar. Um, closing out that list, City Slickers. It's a good one. At five, Science of the Lambs, Home Alone, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, which yeah. it's Biggie, funny that Biggie that movie Costner. was a hit because everyone everyone makes fun of how bad he is in that movie. <laughs> does he do like a bad British accent? Or something? Oh, he oh he absolutely okay. does. I haven't seen it. We should watch that. That'd be fun. All right. Um, I remember it had like even as a kid, I remember there was like action figures. Well, like, yeah. It's weird to think they made action figures for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I mean, I guess they did for Waterworld too. Sounds like it was so immensely popular. Yeah. This is the time when they were making VHS tapes for Happy Meals too. So it's like they're just any oh, idea yeah, they'll family. do it. <laughs> what other Adams Family movies have you guys seen? Just this and the second one. You haven't seen the animated movies that are happening now. No, I'm a little it's funny. I have curious. no interest in those. I, who, who makes those? Is that? I don't even know what studio that is. I mean, regardless, the thing that makes me so mad about those movies is they cast Morticia and Gomez perfectly, but then it's totally wasted because it's animated. Doesn't matter who you cast. Like the fact that they got Charlize Theron and Oscar Isaac, who would like look like the characters. Like if they mm. did it live action, it would be perfect. But they're relegated to doing the voices, so like, why bother? Um, so they're directed by the duo that did um, Sausage Party, and no. uh, <laughs> the screenplay is by Matt Lieberman, uh, who also wrote the Christmas Chronicles. Is it the Kurt Russell Santa movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also. Free guy and uh, Scoob. Scoob. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz, and Little Finn Wolfhard. Nick Kroll. Did you say Nick Kroll? 
Nick Kroll is the Festerman. Snoop Dogg. As, God fucking uh, damn it, Sean. I had Adam's Family Trivia, and it's been fucking obliterated now by you dropping that fun fact. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Oh, is that what we're doing later? Oh, that's what I was planning on doing. Oh, man, we, I mean, I already got it. fucked up because I I was naive enough to think you would do zero research <laughs> on the history of the Addams Family. Hey, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't freewheel it here. I I do my research because well, I'm not that I... good at talking without a script. <laughs> <laughs> Ate my uh, wheelhouse. Oh, that was my final. That was my funny question. Was who portrays cousin it in the Adams family too? Okay, but do you could do you still have like a list that you could or a still do you think he's, I have other questions. Do you, okay, do you think he still goes like or because it's no? Dog, I watched a like clip. He just dibble. I don't. Th- I think he just performs. <laughs> well, as we know from this film, he's a fan of hip hop. Yeah, I don't have enough questions anymore. Ugh, that's too bad. All right, because I'm guessing there isn't a clear villain in this movie. No, I mean there is, but I didn't look it up. Now, my my quiz, the focus of my quiz was mainly Adam's family versus monster questions. Oh. But I had a couple because I had to fill it out that are like a combination of the two. I'll still I'll still like ask you guys a couple of them, but I don't think it's gonna be. I can't make it like head to head anymore because it's just not enough to make it competitive. Oh, that's fine. I still want to do your quiz. I love a good John quiz. Yeah. Maybe I'll include some questions about Robin Hood. Prince of Thieves. Big, one of the biggest movies in that <laughs> Be pretty easy to stump me on that movie. <laughs> no one ever talks about it ever. I'm a little upset that the second Adam's Family animated movie is just called Adam's Family 2. What, what are you talking Isn't it called... Uh, oh, you mean the animated one? Yeah. Yeah, because like, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. I, I, I think I saw a poster that, that they were in like, some Hawaiian gear or something. So like, are they going on vacation? Or like, you got to give me something. They're definitely in Hawaiian gear. See, like that's what I appreciate about the Hotel Transylvania movies. At a certain point, anyways, you know, like, oh, that's what they're doing in this one. They're Transformania in this one. (laughs) They're summer vacation in this one. God, you reviewed that, too, Colin. Everything's coming full circle here. We we like these zany, wacky families. They're fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about this movie, but I'm very glad I watched it, um, after, (laughs) after not, not doing that all these years, um, as well as the second one, both, both good. Um, Um, I've got a bone to pick with the Addams Family. Uh Uh-oh. It comes from the IMDb goof section. Uh Uh-oh. All right. Uh... At one part in the movie, Fester tells Wednesday to aim for a major artery, the jugular. Uh, however, the jugular is a vein. The major artery, the major artery in the neck, is called the carotid. It's like, come on, Fester, do your research. Fucking got him. Twenty out of twenty-six people thought that was helpful. Well, he did have 
amnesia. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, that's that's fair complaint though. Um. All right. Oh. Well, I guess I can still give you guys my Adams Family quiz. Let's do it. Uh, well, let's right. just do it for fun. I don't. I don't feel the need to put you guys head to head. It'll just be like kind of like it'll be more of like here's some fun facts, and I'll let you see if you can guess the fun fact before <laughs> I tell you. Yeah. Okay. And that is family quiz. I should have done a song, but Colin already did a song. We can't have two Adams mm, Family songs. I mean, there's a second verse. I to do your song the where they say their house is abused. No, to the Adams Family song. Oh, the Adams Family song. What do you like in the song? I like it when they say their house is a museum where people come and see them. It's just fun. That's really good, actually. I really like that. Yeah. All right. So my the theme of my quiz was Adams Family v Munsters. Was pitting them together. Like, like Batman versus Superman. As you should. Batman versus Superman. Uh, Still waiting on that uh, crossover. I, I I was trying to do some research to see if they ever crossed over, I, even as cartoons or something, or like an anti-drug PSA. Or... <sighs> Couldn't find anything, though. I don't think it's ever happened. Because I do remember that... Uh, I remember that the Addams Family did show up on Scooby-Doo movies once. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I bet they had John Aston for that too, right? I feel like he played Gomez Probably. a lot in a lot of cartoon incarnations. Yeah. Uh, is 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 uh is Adam Stanley still Paramount? I wonder. I think so. I think so because it's on Paramount. Yeah, yeah. It's on Paramount Plus. And then it looked like the yeah, new one so, was also on Paramount Plus. So if Paramount and Universal can heal old wounds, which I assume maybe they have, I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, they should do that crossover. They should do Adams v. Monsters. Yeah. Okay, guys. My my first question was going to be, um, a- okay, the Adams Family and the Monsters, both '60s shows, but which show came first? Hmm. I- How about you guys try to decide together? <laughs> well, what do you think, Sean? I know that the Adams Family came out in 1964, but I don't remember when the Monsters came out. I feel like it could be earlier. Um, well, you you said that they that were, were they on at the same time. Is this a trick question, John? <laughs> no, but it, the answer is funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what to make of that. Uh. I mean, I honestly, maybe they came out the same year. What do you think? Uh, but I guess that still means one of them would have had to air before the other. Unless they, their first oh, episode like they, aired on the exact same date. <laughs> like one of them was out on Friday and the other one was out on Tuesday yeah. or something. <laughs> could, could be. I'm just gonna say the monsters. Uh, Sean can guess whatever he wants to guess. Well, well I gotta play the odds. I'll go with Adam's family then. Yeah, right. Well, I have to say I'm incredibly impressed with your guys' reasoning because you're right; they did come out in the same year. Okay, 
Adam's Family came out September 18th. Monsters came out September 24th. <laughs> Damn. So That's close so to each other. That is... Isn't that dumb? My next question, though, is which show do you think had more episodes? <sighs> well, the Monsters, right? Because we, we were saying the Monsters was more popular before. Yeah, you're right. The monsters had the monsters had seventy episodes. The Adams family had a lowly sixty-four. It's <laughs> pretty close. That's yeah, pretty close. Is it still crazy. just two seasons, or is that two like three seasons, seasons? Two seasons for each show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you need is crazy. Seventy episodes. <laughs> so many episodes for such a short amount of time. I guess you'd probably just film like what, like you'd film like uh, five episodes in a week or something something I, I don't know how they did it it's crazy do you know which which network both shows were on uh i would guess monsters is nbc just because of the universal connection but i, I that's just right. a guess i don't know oh well yeah i would guess then um cbs for adam's family because it sounds the right they definitely were rivals um which is like also like one of my questions, which it sounds like everybody already knew this is what was the higher rated show in terms of ratings at the time. And you guys have pretty much already talked about it. It was the Munsters. I think in terms of like TV ratings for the years, for the year, at least for the first season, uh, yeah, Munsters is rated like number 18 and Adam's Family is 23. So close. So like, Always close. Yeah. Always close. Munsters is a little bit more popular though. Which theme was nominated for a Grammy? Both great themes to both shows. Mm, I don't know if uh, I know the Monsters theme. It's kind of rock and roll. That's not as good as Adam Family. I give it top. Yeah, I would give it to the Adam Family. That's what I guess too. No, the monsters. What? No, no, no Grammy nom love for Adam's family. Adam's family's getting fucked over. I don't like any of this. Yeah, it's just totally living in the shadow of the monsters. All right, guys, can you guess which of these famous TV personalities appeared on both shows? <laughs> here, here, I'm going to okay. give you four options: wow. Paul Lind, Jack Lalanne, <laughs> Margaret Hamilton, the the Wicked Witch, or Don Rickles. Who seems like they would have been on both shows? I just want it to be Don Rickles so bad. <laughs> Is that the guess? Um, who who was it? Who's the Wicked Witch lady? I guess her. Margaret Hamilton. Yeah, I guess her. It's Don Rickles. Oh, He's on wow. both. Shows. Yes. Paul Lind and Margaret Hamilton. No, Paul Lind was only on the Munsters. Jacqueline and Margaret Hamilton only on Adam's Family. So Jacqueline actually was on the Adam's Family. I watched the scene where he was uh, telling Fester he's fat, <laughs> which he is. So it makes sense. All right. I think this one's easy, but I'm just I'm not sure. Uh, this is a Munsters question. Guys, what is the Ugh. name of Grandpa Munsters' car that inspired a late 90s rock song? Do you know oh, this? It's Dragula, right? It's Dragula. Dragula is, na- is the name of Grandpa Munsters' car. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how common knowledge that was. So it all came Definitely full circle with heard that the movie. Before. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, Rob Zombie loves the Munsters that much that his biggest song is named after that <laughs> that funny car on the show. Um, I bet Colin knows this next one. Before okay. he became famous for playing Uncle Fester, Jackie Coogan was a child star. Can you name the classic 1921 film that launched his career? Was it The Kid? It was the kid. Okay. Charlie Chaplin's the kid. It's crazy that he was this cute little kid that grew up in this hideous world. So it goes sometimes. <laughs> uh, okay. Of course, after the second Adams Family movie, there was a, a straight-to-video 98 film called Adams Family Reunion. Do you guys know who played Gomez in that movie? Ooh, I actually Fuck. don't know about this. Mm. I was looking at this earlier. Fuck. Fun, fun. Okay, now I can just shower you guys with clues till you get it. <laughs> okay, uh, just think of a guy who's funny, has some experience with the macabre, uh, kid-friendly to an extent. He didn't start his career like that. Hmm. I'm trying to think. It's so hard to come up with clues. I won't give it away. <laughs> Still alive today, though not really um, doing much anymore. Um, let's see. I would say he has facial hair more often than not. A bit of a a bit of a chameleon. Um, also done some voice work. John Leguizamo. Oh, I like that guess, but it's not John Leguizamo. Okay. At least. You said a bit of a chameleon, so I'm like, oh, like Reese Ifens because he plays the lizard. <laughs> I mean, it's a guy who's not. It's a guy who's who will transform himself for parts. Doug Jones. Doug Jones. No. Crispin Glover. It's, okay. it's a. It's a. He's a British person. British person. Uh, I'm going back to Reese Ifens. Reese Ifens. We still shots. <laughs> Dialed in on recyphons. That's finally answer. Gary Oldman. We're getting. I feel like Gary Oldman is getting closer, but less prominent. It's too more serious, funny. Though. More funny. Yeah. Um, he was in another. Uh, there was. Uh, I'm trying to think. He was in a '90s kids movie in the mid '90s. It's so hard Whoa. to give it away. He has worked with the Muppets. I can't believe that didn't give it away. Now I'm so worried. Many people have worked with the Muppets in a movie, though. In, in a movie, movie. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Yeah, it was like Michael Caine. <laughs> in, in, a, in a '90s Muppet movie, come on, who could you got to be able to get it now? Tim Curry. It's Tim Curry. That, Thank you. That makes oh, sense. Treasure Island. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, yeah, I guess that was a lot harder than I thought. Yeah, he's Gomez in that version. I mean, they did bring back the original uh, Lurch and okay. uh, Thing actor for some reason. Hey, good hand acting. Good hand acting. Always good to see Lurch getting work. I think Daryl Hannah was Morticia. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's kind of fun. I, you know, it's funny as a kid. I was always like, "Should I see this one?" It is. It's the next one. I love those other two. Yeah. But as a kid, I feel like it's harder to grasp. Like, 
No, this is made for video. This sucks. <laughs> don't watch this. As a kid, you don't realize like what that means. Like when they've made let's straight to video. You're like, it's here. It's, it's at Blockbuster. It's right next to the other two. It must be good, right? All right, I got two more questions for you. Um, I see uh, Ed Bailey Jr. also way down the cast. Love, love seeing that. Love Ed Bailey Jr. <laughs> also from the Page Master. From the Page Master, we love to see it. Um, can you guys guess which franchise was the first to have a video game, Monsters or Adam's Family? <sighs> I think I would guess Adam's Family just because of this movie, and they used to make lots of movie video game tie-ins. But I could also imagine some weird like well, NES Monsters movie. They also existing. used to make a lot of shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> doesn't necessarily narrow it down, but that would be my guess is the Adams Family. Uh, I just feel like because the monsters are so much more successful all the time, it's got to be them. Hmm. All right. The months the monsters eked out by uh, ahead of Adams Family by a year. <laughs> the monsters for Atari wow. came out in 1988. The infamous Fester's Quest came out in 1989. <laughs> Fester's Quest, an infin- infamously bad NES game. What? That still predates the movies. Yeah, yeah, why did they make a Uncle Fester? I mean, he was wacky. Yeah. He was wacky, you guys. I guess. Uh, my final question is, what was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Rotten Tomatoes score? <laughs> oh. <sighs> I'm gonna go with thirty-one uh, percent. Um, could it be a thing where at the time people were more lukewarm on it, or was it always bad? Uh, and I don't know because I've only seen parts of this movie on TV. I don't I've think I've seen, seen any thing. of this movie. <laughs> I don't think I've seen one frame of this film. Uh, uh, I'm just going to split the difference and say an even 50%. Sean, I'm always impressed by how good you are at guessing these questions. 52. <laughs> You're always good at deducing this kind yeah, of stuff. He's great. Especially when it comes to numbers. Yeah. 52%. Good job, you guys. I wish I could have gone with more questions. I mean, it was kind of—it's kind of hard to compare the two because really, the fact of the matter is—is is like, the monsters has always been, at least until the '90s, was always more popular, always got more award recognition, higher ratings. Uh, it wasn't really until this Adam's Family uh, film franchise that the tides kind of turned, and now look at where the franchises are today. Like, Wednesday is this—you know—anticipated show for Netflix. <laughs> the monsters gets this like bottom of the barrel looks like it was filmed at party city <laughs> straight to netflix movie that looks like shit it is sad like how the tables have turned yeah like the wednesday show has like Catherine zeta jones and like fred armison has like celebrities the, the monsters thing has what jeff daniel phillips and sherry moon zombie like what like just weird it's not like they haven't tried though. Do you guys remember that like serious monsters show they were gonna make? I, I think they did like one episode or like a special. It was like a Brian I, Fuller show. I do, yeah, kind of. Oh yeah. I think it's just one episode though. Okay. Mockingbird Lane with Jerry O'Connell 
and Portia de Rossi. I mean, that's as long as you can get Brian Fuller, anyway. Oh yeah, they're like they're ready to cancel that show before they greenlit it. <laughs> they just don't give him a ch- chance ever. I'm still like skeptical that his Christine movie will ever come out, even though he's been working on it for so long. The only reason Star Trek Discovery is still going is because he pieced out like it's in the middle he of season one. <laughs> it's a shame. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, I'd like to see you know some more of his projects happen, and I hope that Wednesday show is good. I don't know, you know, I love that it comes out on a Wednesday. Nice. And Christina That's Ricci, good. she's in yeah. it. I forgot about that. She's in there too. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Pass the torch. Hopefully Lurch shows up somewhere. He's still around, I think. That's good. Good to hear. All right. Pretty sure. Speaking of passing the torch, I shall pass the pick torch to... I can't remember. Is it Sean? It is Sean. Yeah. That's me, yeah. I'm so curious where you're gonna go with this, John. Yeah, because no this idea. was our last uh, <laughs> October movie, uh, the last spooky season. Yeah, didn't yeah. didn't get as many in probably as we would have liked, <laughs> but we're also writing reviews over Motley Please, so we're preoccupied a bit. But what's your next pick, Sean? Uh, so going on in my uh, real life right now. Um, my brother and I are in the process of buying a house. Hopefully, uh, by the time we do this episode, I'll be certain that we've actually bought the house. Yeah. Um, and moving on to the next step of this, which is uh, turning this rundown house into something valuable. Um, that episode will probably also be coming out in November, which is the month of Thanksgiving. <laughs> So there is one terrible movie out there that is at the perfect intersection of I'm, these two I things know exactly in my what you're life. talking about, yeah. 1986's The Money Pit is my pick. Wow. <laughs> it's so funny because this was like, if I wasn't sure if we were going to do Thanksgiving this year, and I'm still not sure if we're doing it, even though you just picked a topic. <laughs> it sounds movie. like it's happening. I, I, I'm, I'm all for it, but what I like is that this was one I was planning on picking, so I'm glad that you're picking it so we're guaranteed to see it because I'm super excited to watch this. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It is uh, not fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So is, I think it I is produced we'll... by Spielberg, though, right? Mm. Like, So I think there Ooh. might be some... It might at least be like a well-made movie, maybe? Like you know, like a well, like a good-looking movie? Sure. I want to pull this, this guy up right now, Money Pit. Um, wow, Richard Benjamin movie, huh? Yep. Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall at least produce. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. Yakov Smirnoff! Finally! He's on the board! Let's get him into Three Timers Club. How, how hard would that be? Uh, <laughs> a lot harder than I thought. Yeah, what, what movies you could do? Uh, okay, I would actually... Bonsai. I would actually love to watch Brewster's Millions, which apparently he's Brewster's in. Millions. I've seen that. I don't remember him being in it, but I believe it. Um, Moscow on the Hudson, which I've always wanted to see, which is a, a, a movie where the premise is, what if Robin Williams was a Russian guy? Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. Maybe we'll do uh, Smirnov Vember, right? We're not. 
No, we're not doing that. So, Colin, like, what if, like, I pick after Sean picks my fit? What if I pick Moscow and the Hudson? Would you feel the pressure to pick Brewster's Millions? I don't think I would, John. Because <laughs> I believe in free will. But he's got so much money. What's he gonna do? I don't know. Do you know much about Brewster's Millions? Bill? No, I, I don't know. It's much. a great premise, Sean. Have you seen it? It's, I actually haven't. Seen I it. have seen it. It's based on like a play. Like an ancient play from old America. Ancient play. I love it. And? Oh, and that's it. That's like it's been done a bunch of times, and then eventually they made Brewster's Billions. They made Brewster's Billions? I think I'm confused, maybe. I, I know the original, like, ancient play is Brewster's Millions, but isn't... Isn't the the movie Brewster's Billions, or is it all always Brewster's? The Millions? movie's called Brewster's Millions. It's always Brewster's Millions. Okay, well, then I guess there's still room for someone else to do Brewster's Billions. I've just gotten so close to watching this movie so many times, and it's yeah. a Walter Hill movie, and it's got Richard Pryor with like a bunch of money in his hands, and John Candy's like, "Eh, he's look at a, his money." He's a baseball player. Yeah. Is uh, John Candy yeah. his catcher? Oh, he is. Of course. Of course they're a battery. Mm. I'm looking at... It says it's based on a novel from 1902. Well, that's ancient America. <laughs> that's ancient America. Is that ancient America Call if it. it's in the same Call century it. the movie was made in? I, obviously, I don't have... Also, I don't have total recall on fucking Brewster's Millions fun fact. <laughs> well, you came in here with a swagger that made it seem like you did. So, like... Ah, Brewster's Millions. <laughs> I mean, look at the book cover on the Wikipedia. It looks like it's like an ancient book. It does. <laughs> the ancient tome. The sacred text. Yeah. It does look ancient. All right. Fine. So I'm just saying, Colin. It's an ancient. If, if I pick Moscow on the Hudson, <laughs> which is, I believe, have some Christmas elements. It's a winter movie. It's a Paul Mazursky movie. Just think about it. I don't know what I'm gonna pick this though. I, I just, I, I just really want to get Yakov Rudolph. What you guys doing? Yeah. Anyways, Money Pit. I'm excited for the Money Pit. I've always wanted to see it. Uh, maybe I'll just pick a Tom Hanks movie. Just, just keep that going. Yeah. Oh, it's. I, I didn't I realize it's too. a remake of an ancient film. <laughs> Whoa! From the 40s. <laughs> My God! Good yeah, ancient. From a time unknown. Wow, the original title is way better. Mister Blandings builds his dream house. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know. Starring Cary Grant. Maybe I'll really? watch that for research. And it's a good, it's a, it's a funny poster where they're like, they're drawings of like little bodies, and then they have like live action heads on them, and the heads are really big. Ugh, I love that shit. <laughs> kind of like a jib jab. You remember those? That yeah, was yeah, I mean, I know exactly. It's what like the jib jab about. of its time. Yeah, because I feel like there are a number of posters that are kind of like that during that era, and it's a good move. That's how you know you're in for some silly fun. But yeah, if you want to hear some more silly fun, uh, you know, keep 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 an ear out for 
Thanksgiving, because it sounds like that's probably going to be what our November uh, will smear sound November. like. Or smear November, we'll see. It's it's hard to choose between two such <laughs> beloved actors. Uh, you can also head over to mildlypleased.com where you can find this podcast. Uh, you can also find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, also at Mildly Pleased, we are currently doing Shocktober, which is a month of all horror movie reviews. This year we're doing all movies that were released this year, 2022. Uh, we're almost through it. We may have already posted our last review by the time this episode comes out, but, you know, that leaves you with lots of reading to do, uh, if you haven't caught up with Shocktober yet. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we got going on. Uh, have a happy Halloween. Uh, I hope it is kooky, spooky, and altogether ooky.